Hello, and thanks for listening to PXP Podcast. It's a show about leadership, self-development, personal growth, and accountability. I'm your host, Jamie Yarrow. Now, you can catch our podcast on almost any platform or directly from our website at pxppodcast.com. To hear it hot off the press, check out our host on the Podbean app. If you have questions or want to hear a particular topic discussed or even want to be a guest on the show, connect with me on social and send me a message. Now, are you ready to kick off today's episode? All right, here we go. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whatever time it happens to be when you're listening, welcome to the podcast. And if this is your first time listening with us, thank you. I hope you find something valuable, and as cliche as it sounds, I hope it helps you to become a better version of yourself. Now, today we're going to talk about or touch on a couple areas that I think are super relevant to this remote kind of hybrid environment that a lot of people are finding themselves in. You know, companies spend a lot of time searching for the best talent. They they interview and they they train them when they come on board. And interestingly, we're, we're seeing the talent pool vastly increase for many companies as they begin to embrace the remote or the hybrid option for employees. And yes, there were times when people would relocate for a job, particularly a higher paying job or a more career, in air quotes here, career oriented job, if you would. But the vast majority of that employee pool was historically limited to a geographical area that would be within a commuting distance to that company, right? That significantly limited the talent that that employer could tap into. But now we're seeing, especially over the last, I don't know, maybe six to eight months, companies are really, really embracing the remote option. It's been kind of an ironic transition that I've seen. I've I've been saying that remote work should be an option for a long, long time, or at least some hybrid uh, form of, of a remote option. By and large, companies just didn't think it would work. I mean, when you talk to companies and companies that I've been a part of, they just didn't think that the remote option would be viable. You know, how do you stay connected, they would say, or, or what about the technology piece, or how will they continue to work as a team? And the sad part is the biggest objection that most companies had when you talk to them is how will we monitor these employees to make sure that they're working, right? They were more worried about the accountability of the employee than they were about whether the employee could be efficient or whether they could stay connected or, or the things that, that potentially would matter most in that role. They were mostly worried about how can we monitor them? And unfortunately, in most cases, you know, it was implied that, that, the employees were guilty of being slackers or, you know, they were guilty of, of needing monitoring, if you would, until proven otherwise. And, you know, instead of being innocent until proven guilty, they were guilty until proven innocent. And so now turn the page and in comes COVID, however many months ago, and it forced employers to look into the remote work option. It, it forced their hands in many cases. And many companies had to allow these remote workers, or they would have had to have closed their doors or significantly reduce the, you know, the, the services that they offered or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They didn't have an option to test it out. They just had to jump in head first. And guess what? In most cases, the work got done. And were there situations where, you know, that freedom to work remotely, if you will, was abused? 
Yeah, I'm sure absolutely there was. Just like there's abuses, you know, in the environment of an office work setting. I mean, you can you can find those as well. And what it forced companies and specifically leaders to do is is to start evaluating people on the work that got done rather than the time that they spent punched in on the clock. And if you think about it, isn't that so much better for everyone involved anyway? Companies were finding out that employees can be hugely productive in their roles while still working remotely. And that brings me to my thought for this episode, and it it has to do with leaders being strong enough to motivate and to inspire and to lead their teams, especially the high performers on the teams. Now, how many times have you seen a star performer who was just knocking it out of the park, and then they were placed under the direction of a leader who maybe lacked the necessary skills or the mindset or the experience or maybe the mentorship or the, or the previous coaching, whatever it was that they lacked those things to be a good or great leader. It happens all the time, right? I mean, what, what's the old saying? People don't leave bad companies. They, they only leave bad leaders. And that has been proven true over and over and over again. And you probably can testify to organizations where you worked, where maybe you were the star employee or you knew somebody who was just knocking it out of the park. And, you know, due to some member of leadership or management or supervisory role, they ended up, you know, either pulling back or going to another company. So it brings up a good question. How do those leaders, those ones that lack those necessary skills to be good or great leaders, how do they get into their role to begin with? How does someone who's incapable of leading end up in a leadership role? And they not only end up in a, in a leadership role, but they have a significant impact on the productivity and the satisfaction of their direct reports. You know, in many cases, people are promoted to those roles simply because they've been at the company for a long time. And, and while there's lots of reasons, I think you know, this is one that we often see. It's pretty common, and, and you can probably relate to it, but people who are promoted because they have worked there a while, they started at the bottom, and they put their time in, and they were loyal, and they were eventually promoted into a leadership role. But but let me ask you something. Does, does longevity and loyalty equal a leadership role? Does the fact that someone has worked there for a long time maybe, you know, years, and the fact that they've been loyal to the company, does that mean that they're qualified to be in a leadership position? Is that all it takes? I mean, if that's true, what are the dangers of of taking this approach? Let me explain to you the domino effect of that. Let me give you an example. Let's just say that I've got a guy named Carl who works for PXP. Incidentally, one time I rented a car to go to St. Louis on a business trip. It was a yellow Hyundai Velocitor. I hope I'm saying that right. Velocitor, I think. Veloster. Anyway, it was a yellow Hyundai. It was a little stick shift. It was it was kind of like a little go-kart, you know. Uh, and anyway, I named it Carl. So I don't know why that matters, but I just thought about it when I was thinking about that name. Anyway, Carl has worked for PXP for a couple of years. I don't know, doing, let's say, technical stuff, uh, maybe web web things. And we're, we're growing and we need a supervisor. And so because Carl has worked for us for a while, we make Carl the supervisor. Carl's been here, so we make him the supervisor. It doesn't matter that Carl's never led anyone, but because he's been here and he's worked here for a while, he's, let, let's use, you know, the, the let's coin the quote, uh, he's worked his way up, right? He, he's been here, he's worked 
He's worked for us for a while. He's been loyal. He's been a good employee. So when, when we need a supervisor, Carl gets the job. Unfortunately, even though Carl tries hard, he just doesn't have the skills to be an effective leader. Not because maybe he's not capable, because maybe he is, maybe he isn't. We don't know. But, but he, because he's never been taught. He never got coached and mentored in a way that allowed him to learn and grow in his leadership skills. But Carl's been here. So Carl gets the job. Are, are you following me? Have you, have you worked somewhere where that's the case? Well, let's see how the dominoes continue to fall. So let's say that Carl has a direct report and his name is Jim. I didn't have a car that I named Jim, so we're just picking that name. Jim. So Jim is is worked here, you know, not as long as Carl, but he's next in line. So Jim's worked here the next longest, right? So Carl is is promoted to a higher leadership role because we need a new, we need more supervisors, and Jim's promoted to be in in Carl's role. So now we got Carl, who's leading Jim, who's leading the team, right? But the problem is, do you see where the problem's coming in? He learned from Carl, who learned from nobody, right? Jim Jim only does what He's seen Carl do, which has been ineffective at best. And this cycle continues into the future. Leaders are created by length of employment or, or some other immaterial reason. And you can, you can stick in length of employment or you can stick in friendship or you can stick in whatever you want right there. But it's not because they have the ability to lead. And when they do this, they create more managers who follow in their ineffective footsteps. Have, have you ever worked in an organization like that? I can think of several right off the top of my head who who did things in that manner, who who I was affiliated with that that did exactly that. I'm not making this stuff up. I mean, this stuff really happens, and more than likely, you've seen it happen too. So what's the fallout from that type of an event or that type of an environment? Well, let me ask you, what's it like working for a supervisor that has no idea how to lead people? It's hard, right? I mean, it, it, it creates all kinds of problems, but... It, it, it causes some of your best employees to either pull back or to leave. Does your company have a problem with retention? Do you, do you have people that, that are leaving your company? Do you have your best employees that are leaving? Uh, uh, the perfect sign of an ineffective leader is when your best employees are punching out. Like, they're gone, and, and, and that's a perfect sign that you need to look at your leadership structure. I mean, could it be that the employees are not interested in working for the leaders that are in place? I mean, that's not, not necessarily a dig on the leaders either. Don't get me wrong, because oftentimes these leaders are doing the best they know how to do. But sometimes that's just not enough. And when you learn from someone who didn't know how to lead, you often make the same mistakes that they made. I mean, have you seen that happen before? You see your, your uh, senior leadership and your middle managers, and they make the same mistakes. They have the same managerial style. I saw this play out often in in the fire and EMS community where it was common for them to eat their own, right? They would, the, the, the supervisors are born out of oftentimes length of employment. And while they had to pass certain, you know, uh, uh, let's see, practical exams and, 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 and academic things, they had to be able to pass certain tests. Leadership ability was oftentimes not part of that equation. And so the, the, the ability to lead was just often left behind. Now, they knew how to do their job practically, right? Uh, but they didn't know how to lead people. 
And so oftentimes it would make for an incredibly miserable environment for the, the employees to be in. For a team to be great, it starts with great leaders. The leaders have to be great. I've always said that I wanted to hire people that were smarter than me and then equip them with the tools that they need to do their jobs. And then I just wanted to get out of the way. And while that's true, it's just not that easy as saying it. I mean, you still have to be a great leader to have a great team. Even the best employees can only take it so far on their own. And then they get tired and they get frustrated and they get burned out. And eventually they just give up. And that may come in the form of of reduced productivity. Or they may actually just punch their ticket and leave for an organization that values them and their contributions. And I think if if you look around, that's one of the, the things that we're starting to see is organizations are starting to put more focus on culture and on putting good leaders in place because they understand the value that a strong leader brings to the team. And what that often means is that a company might need to bring in a leader from outside the company so that there can be some mentorship and some coaching and some, some, some real leadership skills that are brought to the table. And the biggest objection you often get in that scenario is, well, that person from outside doesn't understand how we do things or having somebody that has grown up within the organization, they know how we do things and they know the processes and the procedures. And, and I would just argue that the processes and procedures that those can be learned. And, and oftentimes we, we shoot ourselves in the foot by saying that, well, this is the way we've always done it, right? But I would argue that the leadership portion, the experience of learning how to lead people and that, that ability or, or that, uh, that skill set of being able to lead people and motivate people and coach and mentor and hold people accountable is far more valuable than knowing how to operate a piece of equipment, I mean, you're going to hire people that know how to operate. You're going to have the technical knowledge, certainly got to have that on site. And, and the leader doesn't, they, they can't be absolutely clueless, right, as to what's going on. But, but I would argue that their leadership skills are at least equal or more important than their ability to maybe operate a piece of equipment, right? Because you can have those skilled people there in place as part of the team that know how to do that. And and a good leader is going to be able to pick up on those things. And the leader probably isn't the one that's operating the, the, the piece of equipment or or whatever it is, you know, in, in that industry, in that space. They're not the ones doing it anyway. Their job is to lead and to motivate and coach and hold accountability. And that's their job. And that's a, that's something that I hate to hear this saying, well, they're a born leader. You know, people are are born with the ability to motivate and people are born with the ability to get people to follow them. And we use these terms leader and manager and supervisor and management team. And we use all those terms so interchangeably that, that oftentimes we, we, you know, we think that someone, well, maybe they're a born leader, so they've got the skills and the ability to listen. Being a leader takes time. It takes experience to be an effective leader. You're not just going to just all of a sudden be an effective leader, right? I mean, I remember my first leadership role, and I I was you know pretty intelligent. I'm I'm a smart guy. I I felt like I had, you know, the my craft certainly. I was an expert at, but when it came to leadership, I remember that first role that I had that was I, I was horrible at it. Like I was so bad, and I look back on it right now, and I think. You know, I need to go back and apologize to some of my direct reports because 
I was just horrible at being a leader. And it's not because I wasn't, you know, good at motivating people. I was good at motivating people. It's not because I wasn't good at, at getting people to follow me. I could get people to follow me, but there's a difference in being a good leader and getting someone to follow you. I can get somebody to follow me, but if we're not going in the direction, what what how is that leadership? And so it took time for me to grow into being a good leader, a great leader. And it took mentorship and coaching and a ton of self-development. And when I say a ton, I mean a ton of self-development. I listen to probably in the neighborhood of, on average, 30 to 50 audiobooks a year. And most of those are on leadership or accountability or motivation or all those, it, it's all those things that help me to be a better leader. Some years I listen to more than 50, some, you know, 30. I mean, somewhere in that ballpark of 30 to 50 books a year. And, and now sometimes I'm going back re-listening to some of those that, you know, I just love and I'm picking up more things that I didn't catch the first time. And I listen to a lot of podcasts and I have this podcast. And just by having a podcast, it makes you to evaluate yourself and to research things and to ask questions and to, you know, talk to other people and, and, and learn about yourself and, and the mistakes you make and the successes you've had. I know a young person right now who was placed into a leadership position right out of college, a senior leadership role, and they are failing absolutely miserably. And is it their fault? Not really. I mean, is a young person going to turn down, you know, a, a high level leadership role? Probably not, right? But it's the people that put them in place. It's the senior leadership that put people in place that they're simply not capable of doing. And the, the domino effect is sometimes disastrous to the success of the company and the well-being of the team, the motivation, the productivity, all those things. And so I think it's so important that we, we understand the value and the importance of the leaders that we have in place. Sometimes we may have to fix mistakes that we've made right? There may be leaders in place in your organization who shouldn't be in the role they're in. And, and that's a hard fix to make. I get that. But the organization, the company, the, the, the direct reports, the teams, like they deserve to be uh, under the direction of a great leader. And they're out there. And it, it may be that you have to bring somebody in from outside. It may be that you have to rearrange some roles, it may be that you yourself, as a leader of your company, that you need to spend some time in, in learning and, and being mentored by and being coached by someone who, who is highly skilled at leadership. You know, I don't think we're ever going to go back to the way it used to be, where there was no hybrid, there was no remote, there was everybody was in an office. I just don't think it's ever going to go back to that. I think that enough companies and employees have realized that we can do this thing, you know, in a hybrid or in a remote environment, unless you've got to put your hands on things, right? In a factory, obviously, you get what I'm saying, like in an environment where it's possible and where companies have found that it works, I just don't think we're ever going to go back to the way it was. That being the case, it's even more important that you have highly skilled leaders, in place to lead the teams, both from a in-person, a face-to-face -face environment, and a, or a hybrid, some combination of face-to-face -face and remote, or a completely remote environment. 
the leadership structure is going to be so important moving forward. And the leaders are going to have to learn how to lead a little differently, right? The way that we hold people accountable is going to have to be a little different. The way that we evaluate productivity has to be a little different. You can't just look and see how many hours did so-and-so put in. You're going to have to evaluate them on the, the quality and the quantity of work that they completed. When I had an insurance agency a number of years ago, I used to tell my producers, my sales agents, I would say to them, you know, here is your goals. These are the quotas. This is what I want, what I want you to hit. I don't care if you work one hour a week or 40 hours a week. It doesn't matter to me. If you can get the work done in one hour a week, then have at it. Like if, if you can get the, all the work done, this is your monthly goal. If you can get that done in two weeks, I don't care if you take the rest of the week, the month off. And I would, they would always say, yeah, right. And I would say, try me on it. Like, you know, I, I was dead serious too, because these are the goals that we want to hit. And that type of mentality will be extremely challenging for a leader who has learned from a leader who learned from a leader who was ineffective because the, the, the vast majority of their leadership style is, you know, kind of ruling with, you know, an iron rod. They, they rule off the time clock and they rule off of making sure you're busy and, and coming up with busy work and, and just the appearance of being busy is how, you know, many supervisors manage. And that simply won't be the way that it can happen moving forward. And so it's going to be interesting. I, I'm, I'm really excited to see the future of how leadership teams handle monitoring productivity and, and holding teams accountable. But I think that it's going to require that you have strong leaders in place, those that are skilled and experienced in handling issues and dealing with people's problems and understanding how culture fits into an organization. And you can't just play whack-a-mole right? When there's a problem, we've got to figure out what the problem is. We've got to address the issues, talk about the elephant in the room, and we've got to figure out how to get the team back motivated to do what we need them to do for the company to be successful. So my challenge to you is this. If you are a business owner or in senior leadership, do you have the right leaders in role? Do you have the leaders in role that have the experience to lead your teams into this new space that we're, we're finding ourselves in? Or if you're a leader and you don't have the experience or the skill set that you need to have, are you taking the steps to to do self-development, to, to reach out to your leadership team and say, hey, I want to be a better leader? What tools, what, what uh, training, what learning can I, can I do to become a better leader? And if you're a team member who maybe is not in a leadership role yet, what are the things that you can be doing now to help prepare yourself to be in the leadership role, what self-development can you do? What resources can you expose yourself to by, by things like audiobooks or podcasts or YouTube is full of great resources about leadership and leadership development. These are all things that we didn't have 10 years ago. There is an infinite amount of resources that are available to help you to be a better leader that are available to you now free of charge. It just takes putting forth some effort and recognizing where our weaknesses are and where we need to boost our skill set in the areas that uh, you know we may not be as 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 honed or as skilled at and how do we make ourselves better in those areas so that's my challenge to you whatever you know space you're in 
Well, that's all the time we've got for today. I want to thank you for listening to the podcast. And I hope that something today helps you to become a better version of yourself. My name is Jamie Yarrow, and I hope you have an amazing day.